as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Funny thing, the law. Right hand commits the murder, left hand pays for it. I didn't kill anybody. Life, death. You choose. Found the girl. I'll handle the warrants. Put your hands on your head and sit down. He left you to take the rap for four murders. That's a needle in your arm. What can you say about a perp who takes the time to pick nickels and dimes from a pool of blood? I'm a professional. No muss, no fuss, no murder. I do not like being made a fool of. Bruises on the ribs, brass knuckles. The blows were methodical, intended to inflict the most pain. The work of a professional. I'd say so. We found him. We'll find the others with or without his help. Featuring a powerful cast, Vincent D'Onofrio, Catherine Irbe, Courtney B. Vance, and Jamie Sheridan. Touch all the bases. Man, it's nothing, man. I got in some trouble. Get the chance to solve the crime before they do. Police! Bumble! Get a workup on every known ice crew this side of the Mississippi. The next generation of law and order. We got her. That's her blink. You're in on the crime from the beginning. Look, Jiggy, Kevin killed the old man. We know it, and you know it. Maybe all you did was give him some clothes and an alibi, but we don't care. You're going down for it. Coming this fall. And joining me is, I don't speak Germans, and they must be destroyed on sites, co-host, Daniel Lee Harper. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing doing quite well. Just had to put the kitty down, and uh, no, that's not a euphemism. Um, <laughs> He's got an actual... It's so funny how this just gets referenced time and again for people who are getting into law. <laughs> they really do use <laughs> right. this template. Uh, and... I see other people, too, who get so harsh, like, if they don't like the ending, they're just like, oh, fuck this show. I'm like, you know, it's not asking that you agree. I mean, wouldn't that be worse if it was asking that you agree with whatever perspective? And then I get even more well, people. I, who, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, I think the show definitely has a has a has, a, has an overall perspective. I mean, it definitely kind of has an attitude towards, you know, the the people and the uh, the kinds of things that it covers. But it uh, masks that under this sort of like sort of veneer of, uh, you know, oh, we're tackling hard issues with nuanced questions. Um, and it's also yeah. kind of what gets left out of uh, consideration in this show. I mean, it it, it is. Um, for me, and, I, and I'll just admit, like I came on, I was like, yeah, I'd love to kind of talk about Law and Order, but I might have to do this in kind of a big picture way because it's been a long time since I've actually watched the fucking show. <laughs> no, it's um, fine. I mean, I've always been just kind of a casual viewer, you know, back during the latter seasons on NBC, you know, and again, it was on TNT every fucking day. So right. then when and they stopped airing it around 2016 and the AMC sister channels, you know, Sundance and We TV start airing them. And I, I literally did a binge watch recently just to see how it measured up. Just go for the because, I mean, a lot of people I notice who complain are just casual viewers or they were only watching it for that particular character. And it's like, you know, it's all about the overall focus. And now uh, urban channels like uh, Bounce TV, which mostly plays a lot of, you know, uh, black themed, uh, you know, movies and shows has been airing it recently. And WGN 
again has joined the uh, case. And so it's interesting how it's living on. And they they've tried several times, like, oh, it must be on streaming. And Dick Wolf's been like, why? It's on every day. What would be the point? But finally, uh, Peacock, Universal's new streaming platform that's coming out later this year, is going to start airing it along with all the other Wolf productions. So um, this, long story short, uh, spun off numerous, you know, uh, spinoffs as well as knockoff shows that try to recap. It's amazing how little TV I watch these days. Um, well, it's hard. Part of, what, part of what I really enjoy about Law and Order, and I caught up with it. I mean, I probably watched a little bit of it, kind of growing up. Um, you know, I was I was in my like early teens, and I would kind of catch one uh, kind of late at night uh, on NBC or whatever. Um, but it really wasn't until it was just sort of omnipresent on TNT that I really got into the franchise, and uh, yeah. really kind of uh, you know because it's just kind of always on. And so you know, I think within myself and my my friend group around like 2005 to 2009 or something just sort of like uh absorbed the entire like corpus of law and order uh mm-hmm. to a certain degree um uh, both uh you know the mothership the 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 uh law and order uh, original and uh svu i really liked for for a few years um uh, my my uh, kind of uh, measure for for which ones I do and do not like in uh, SVU is uh, I enjoy the show in inverse proportion to the length of Mariska Hargitay's hair because that first season <laughs> I don't like very much and then she kind of gets that like tomboy cut and then the show starts to decline so the longer her hair gets the least the less I like the show and I I tuned out of that one around um, like I really tuned out of the whole franchise when um, uh, Renee Bosset started kind of like taking it over a little bit, um, and it felt like it? is that I don't know how how you pronounce probably, his name. Probably I, I always thought it was Bolster, but there's a big accent mark on his name. But yeah, no. So, uh, so for, that, that's a yeah, good, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, the, that's a good you, template. You, so Dick Wolf, you, you know, do the, you do the you do the uh, you do the professional work, and I'm just gonna like snark. That's my point. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh so long story short much like the star trek franchise you know this is definitely one where there's a lot of people who come off the steve bochco or uh just various other just tv you know just millionaires i'm sure there's some david e kelly people who get in there but for the most part uh you know dick wolf started out as you know staff writer and edit- contributing writer on shows like this Sunday, two new dramas making NBC Sundays dramatically different. First, the series premiere of a new Law & Order, Criminal Intent. The LA Times calls Vincent D'Onofrio intense and worth watching. We got her. NBC, the new Sunday Law & Order, Criminal Intent. I loved her. How far will the sun go to make his mummy happy? She was pregnant? A case as bizarre as this family. My mother didn't like my girlfriends either. She didn't kill any of them. The new Sunday Law & Order, Criminal Intent. NBC Sunday at 9, 8 central. And I mean, some people like to say it's pretentious because it's all always shocking uh, to me. I mean, shocking isn't necessarily always a bad thing, but I mean, it always just kind of hits. It's like, what, 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 what? <laughs> it went there. OK. And well, I mean, we're uh, also telling like stories about like murder. I mean, you know, like, like, yeah, this is, this is melodrama. Like, what do you what do you expect? <laughs> you know, like and, it is it is what it is. And um, I, I although, see, like, if you do the math on it, like, the number of people murdered in, like, law, in all the Law & Order franchises is more than, like, the total number of murders that there were in New York. No, that's a good point. Period. I was going to I was gonna build on that. Yeah, I mean, Kincaid is uh, talking to Briscoe, and, I mean, she gets killed in a fucking car wreck, and he feels guilty because, you know, he's the one who asked her. And he was the one who was intoxicated, for God's sakes. And she, right, she and got, he, was, he was a recovering alcoholic. Like, that's his big, like, narrative. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, an, it's a total... Alcoholic. It's a total irony, death. It's like, and then uh, we have uh, uh, what's her name? I got the names in front of me. God damn it! They got uh, Borgia, who's played by Annie Paris, a person of interest to fame. She kind of always becomes kind of a uh, an in between gal, but she doesn't last long. Then you know she gets brutally murdered, and McCoy must set off on a manhunt who killed my you know ADA. Yeah, it's 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 it was right around that period that I completely lost interest in the show because it started to become like those kinds of plots of That's you know. Fine. I didn't um, think they were going to bring back Captain Kragen, and next thing you know, they bring him back on SVU. I'm like, whoa, okay, <laughs> right. He wasn't a one season dog. Um, uh, everyone often goes into the Curtis, played by Benjamin Bratt, or uh, 
Detective Ed Green, played by Jesse L. Martin, you know, as who was Briscoe's best partner. And I'm like, you know, there's apples and oranges. They all they all had vices, you know. Uh, Briscoe himself had already kind of covered for some uh, not so law abiding officers and some potential gambling uh, connections. And then we find out Green, as he goes on, was implicated in some like gambling stuff that he wasn't prosecuted for, but he still had to resign. And then there's yeah, Curtis. He's already kind of a douche where he he's just always snarky, snarky. And then you find out he's an adulterer and then you find out that his wife has a terrible condition. So then he just has to resign there. So some of the exits feel rushed and some of them just kind of feel legit. It's like, okay, only they could have come up with that on this show. And I just say, you know, this is whatever era, uh, what's your right. take on, uh, Serena? She's often the one who everyone gets accused of. Oh, now they're going for sexy lawyers. Well, they, they, this, this show was described, I think on SNL as, uh, you know, in one of the, like, uh, weekend updates as, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the show in which a, uh, <laughs> what's the line? Uh, <laughs> Uh, the show in which, uh, you know, an old owl teaches cynicism to a series of supermodels or something like that. Um, you know, with like the photo of like the ever, uh, the ever older, uh, Sam Watterson as he, you know, who had a very like boyish charm in his first season. And, uh, you know, by the end was, was kind of creaking through some of those episodes. But, you know, it's not like, you know, they never had like, uh, you know, attractive women in this show, uh, ever until like Serena Sutherland came on. And in fact, I don't think that she's, you know, uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, just this, like like to put it on her. I, I know that she is not well liked within the fandom, um, you know, because like this is where it's a big problem because it's like that's her best known role. So, right, like, right. She was already. I mean, I give them points for just giving everyone a different persona. But. At the same time, like you say, she's coming off the hills of just people she can't match. She's already got Abby, played by local Texan Angie Harmon. Right. Uh, and then you got, again, you know, Claire, played by Jill. I mean, those two really set the bar. And, I mean, they're both different perspectives of the law, which I don't necessarily agree with. But they're I just really like the persona for whatever reason. And you can't tell me that the other detectives, you know, the male detectives didn't have, you know, Chicks asking for their number, you know, so it is kind of a little bias there to just do that whole, oh, looking for sexy people. I'm like, well, that's just that's the look of the show. They got plenty of older guys. I mean, <laughs> Waterston. Right. Well, and, and like in the day. And that was just brilliant casting for him, because, I mean, he's been in countless movies. He'd already been in various NBC lawyer films of the week. So that 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 just was a no brainer to just put him on there. And people often do do the whole Stone versus McCoy argument. As they go on, they replace the lawyers less and replace just more of the detectives more, and that's where they get more controversial. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. For me, I mean, I think the one that you you missed there was uh, Jamie Ross. Is Carrie Lowell was as Jamie Ross, who was always kind of the the one who felt like she could kind of stand toe to toe with Jack, and I think she comes back later as a as a as a judge, right? Um, which uh, felt uh, like she's uh, a judge later on the. Uh, trial by jury spinoff, but uh, you're you're right in that she does come back and she's always the opposing lawyer. And right, right. She and and then you know she as she's resigning and like going to like a different law firm, you know he's always just trying to ask for her confession on certain stuff, and he's like, nah, I, I I'm not like that, Jack. You know, and so then to see her kind of, she does it always kind of in a friendly way, but you, I like how this show is just again neutral. You see why everyone does what they do, but she is totally just in the very gray zone where she does get info from people and then use that against them in court. And they're like, God damn it. No. <laughs> right. Well, so, and, and ultimately this is, this is kind of a, like a structural thing that's kind of going on with the whole show because, uh, you know, as, as I kind of alluded to, you know, Dick Wolf, um, you know, I saw an interview from him at the time or, you know, kind of when, when the show was on the air and he was kind of talking about how, um, the, the intention of the show was, you know, Oh, we have all these like kind of hero, uh, defense attorneys, uh, on television and like hey shouldn't we make shouldn't we also tell a like, uh, tell about how uh, great the prosecutors are and do like this kind of like hero series about like the cops and the lawyers and everything like that um superstar <laughs> and i mean the thing that you run into is that like this is an incredibly like uh lopsided view of sort of the realities of our criminal justice system which is in every sense 
uh, biased in favor of the prosecution, um, particularly if you're talking, that. particularly if you're talking about New York City, which you know, like the, the show, as far as I know, never does like episodes really about like stop and frisk or about like just sort of the the absolutely atrocious uh you know racialized prosecutions um the show makes it seem like oh there are these like shady defense lawyers who you know despite the fact that they may be you know kind of fighting for a um you know, fighting for, you know, some sense of principle or some sense of, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, or ultimately against the, uh, the prosecution of these obviously bad criminals. And then when you look at like the realities of what uh, the criminal justice system, particularly in New York City does, it basically just railroads people into like, uh, serving horrifying sentences for like incredibly tiny crimes. And the fact that the show is, you know, relentlessly focused on murder, the fact that that's sort of the, the central like thing in the show is like, well, you you know, but these guys actually have killed people, right? Um, and they do kind of go after some 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 sort of wealthier defendants. I mean, they kind of do a mix of that. But there's a whole lot of like, you know, uh, <laughs> aren't we great for putting these like terrible gang members behind bars and that sort of thing? Um, and and it does point. just sort of it does just sort of give us this um, incredibly skewed vision of what uh, the criminal justice system actually is. I mean, people do kind of watch this. And, you know, I think anybody can be kind of forgiven for thinking, like, this sounds like lawyer ease. This sounds like actual legal argument. And then when you, like, kind of talk to actual lawyers about this stuff, they kind of go, eh, uh, I mean, yeah, but no. Like, it's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like the... Uh, you know, uh, you know, Star Trek techno babble for lawyers. I mean, it's slightly more accurate than that, but but you know, it's like in the sense that like, yes, neutrinos actually exist, but like reversing the neutrino field is not a thing that's real, right? Um, that's a good get, point like, because you get a certain sense of like how discovery works and how you know the exclusionary rules work, but there's no, but it's all kind of dramatized for television and it's all kind of made to fit into this like 22 minute, you know, basically two 22 minute episodes make one episode of law and order roughly. If you, if you kind of get where I'm going with that. No, and it, and absolutely. And, uh, I'm glad you brought up some of the viewpoints because I will see people all the time say, Oh, why is the white, you know, privileged guy always gets sent away. I'm like, uh, there's plenty of other minorities. And I hate to use that word, uh, who gets sent away. But I mean, I even had a pretentious filmmaker in class who, you know, was kind of a black supremacist. And he was just like, yeah, I hate the portrayals of him on that show. It's always the black guy who gets put away. And I'm like, well, clearly you haven't been watching it either. So it's just, it, it does get annoying how right. I see a lot of patterns. And it's like, you can tell who's been watching it. And then I see other people who watch it just for the lost stuff. And they're like, oh, that's, it doesn't happen exactly that way within that period. I'm like, well, that's why it says, you know, in the montage, you know, part 28, you know, it doesn't want it is pretty much the cliff notes version of like you say of this whole process. And like you say, there's plenty of stuff that would never make it to trial anyway. So again, the lo and behold of creativity and everyone's like, that's not how the headline ended. I'm like, well, that's just it. You rarely get a follow-up. People like to casually forget about it or not follow up with it. Like they say they will. So, you know, right. Of course and they I, they're ending. And again, you kind of look at like something like, uh, you know, when they see us, the, uh, the Netflix show, uh, directed by, uh, Ava good, good show. Yeah. Very good show. Um, you know, kind of a horrifying, uh, I guess, especially how yeah. that gal was the inspiration for Hargitay's, uh, Benson on SVU. And it's like, Hmm, well, <laughs> right. From a legal standpoint, sure. But, uh, she didn't do shit except put people away. <laughs> right. I mean, there, there, and there's, well, it kind of shows like it kind of the realities behind all this. Like, like that could be, and I, did they ever do a law and order episode about the central park five? It seems like they would have like, I think so. Uh, that, that, especially during post nine 11, there is, uh, and when we get to, uh, Cisco as Cyrus and, uh, Anthony Anderson as Bernard. And I like those two in their own right. They, they aren't the same. As again, you know, Briscoe and Green, or you know, even Curtis and Logan, but uh, it, it's still worth seeing at least their scenes because they do deal with a lot of just absolute just riots in the street, uh, union strikes, and other just shady just stuff. Instead of just kind of, don't get me wrong, the golden age by all means is pretty much most of the nineties, you know, to early two right. thousands. But uh, they're they're cool too because. Uh, they, they definitely deal with a lot of just kind of instigated kind of stuff and other just internet crimes that were a thing. But, but then they, they often will even just go even deeper and just do 
like there was this one case I think I remember that was uh you know I've seen every episode but this is a very important one that where I'm just like this is how you write crime fiction where two people were at the scene of a crime one was black one the the other gal was white and it's like the black guy's case gets dropped but the white gal has a certain prison time and then they're even saying thinking they might have to do a mistrial or some other shit because basically not only are the, both the people's stories conflicting, but then uh, to make it even worse is like they both have different degrees of guilt. So I'm like, that's that's good crime fiction is when the, the line is not only just graying, but becoming just to the point where you're like, when does it end? It never really ends, does it? Right, right. I mean, I remember there was one where um, there was a, a a baby that was found dead in its crib, and yes. uh, they, uh, yeah, well, there, yeah, there, but there's one in particular where there's a baby found dead, and um, they start to kind of investigate like what happened, and it turns out that uh, the uh, the mother just was not feeding the child, um, and because like she had like some you know issue where she just didn't like they had uh it turned out to be like it's kind of breastfeeding bottle feeding thing where like this this woman had been so uh was so terrified of you know the the bottle feeding thing because it had been uh demonized so much that uh she couldn't uh like she couldn't bring herself to to kind of figure out how to feed her own child and um i mean yes. these these kinds of stories, you do find like I don't know that that particular thing actually happened, but you do see these kind of horrifying stories that happen when people are just completely failed by the social safety net around them. Um, particularly when you know there's kind of moralistic hectoring from uh, you know uh, right wing shit jobs. Um, but at the same time, uh, the show kind of takes it in. Like first, it's like, well, how can we charge the mother but not the father? And then ultimately, it's like, well, it's the mother's job to to feed the child and it's like ah child had two parents uh first of all you know um but if we like we try them separately then they can each just point the finger at the other and so we have to choose just one to charge essentially um and then like the, the problems with uh you know, uh, prosecuting, like uh, even finding a jury pool, like we can't show the photos because any parent who sees these photos of this child, this emaciated baby who hasn't been fed, uh, is going to immediately, like you, you lose all, all objectivity just by seeing the photos. And so they, again, they kind of pretend like we're doing this thing of like exploring this deeply complicated issue of how do you deal with the situation? But because it's a television show and because it's uh, built around an idea of, uh, you know, uh, showing the prosecutors to be, you know, uh, morally complex, but ultimately heroes, um, you're not able to kind of look at like, no, there was an entire network of things that failed here. And it's not just the mother and putting her in prison is maybe not the best solution to this problem. But ultimately, that's kind of what the show lends us towards is like we're supposed to put these people in prison right like that's kind of the goal like if mccoy loses that's uh you know that's kind of seen as like a negative thing but like a lot of these guys you know even you know like it's just it's again again the whole system the whole way the show is made is tilted towards that and it gives us a very that's skewed very idea of what actually happens and um again sorry to kind of come back to that point but it's just another example of that and, and it's, it just goes through the entire show well, no, I, I more than half the time that that is very true. Like the parents of the prosecutors pretty much always become just the bait. It's like, OK, can't try the kid because he's, you know, under 18. Fine. Fuck those parents. They're the ones who raised him and put all this nonsense. Like there's this one guy who's kind of a hippie and basic who's kind of a isolationist. And as a result, his kid, be, because he's breeding all this negative energy, his kid becomes kind of a guy who goes around sniping people who are scum of the earth. <laughs> But he's a scumbag himself. So and it does have people who I mean, everyone likes to say, oh, we're biased. I'm like, well, not really, because there's plenty of the you know, they do plenty of allusions to the, you know, independent and liberally outspoken, you know, celebrities. And they end up using them in a case because it's like they'll be they'll show that they have bias raging for them. And the next thing you know, they have something that contradicts their court case and then they have to come back in and then they have to get, you know, testify or be put on part of the stand. So, but yeah, most of the time they do just kind of just take aim at just petty, petty, petty people who, whether it's corporate or just, you know, killed them because they were having my child or I wanted to get back at them. That it, it often goes a step further. Like just, I, I mean, I see a lot of religious people getting offended, but to be fair, often the religious people often win the case because 
there's just too big a powerful influence. And I like how it shows that, how, again, if you want to complain that this show is biased, well, (laughs) it shows you how bias wins in your favor in the court. So, right. It, like you like to say, this show has lasted years because of the just, you know, make your own decision and having easy to follow storylines. But I, I keep coming back definitely because of the recurring stuff. Uh, I definitely like how in later seasons we are introduced to Van Buren's uh, got uh, cervical cancer and she finds a man in uh, Ernie Hudson as her uh, fiance and. Ernie really does lend a lot of favors to this final season because he essentially is just like, you know, how can you not love Ernie Hudson? But he pretty much it's just cool to see, again, much like how McCoy has now become just head district, you know, uh, attorney and who's running for a political career. And he it's kind of cool seeing him at that point, because not only is he teaching his next in line, played by Linus Roach as Cutter and uh, Connie, played by uh, Alana De La Garza. those two end up doing a lot of dirty tricks and it's kind of interesting seeing McCoy doesn't exactly become a hypocrite, but he's kind of like a lot of these other guys. He knows how to get away with it and look good, you know, without getting disbarred and, you know, Cutter often plays dirty, dirty. And it's so interesting because they do a lot of abortion cases that those final years. And uh, Connie at one point almost considers resigning from the law firm. She's like, I don't want to get this gal to testify. Do you see the look on her face? You know, <laughs> Right. She yeah. Did. No. You're making you're making me. Uh, you're you're almost convincing me to go back and try to watch those last few seasons now. Do you have? Because that does stuff? sound really interesting. Yeah. I know. I do. Uh, just DVR. Uh, you know, it, it it they play endlessly on WeTV, and I recommend it that way because they kind of do what AMC does with the James Bond films, where to cut it for time, they will even kind of slowly fast forward, kind of like on a PS3, but with the audio and video still in sync. You know right. what I mean? Where it's kind of yeah, going yeah. like by one or five speed, but without clearly a fast forward. <laughs> so you have to deal with that. But uh, and the theme song, they totally bastardized, just like the James Bond theme. They you know, they rush for that. But it's worth seeing because they do some very funny just kind of bumpers in between just edits and everything. And with interesting music montages, as well as trivia is like, uh, how well do you know your the show and so when you come back after the commercial break they'll have the you know the answer to the pop quiz i'm like that's fine that's a cool kind of interaction as opposed to let's just be the network who owns it currently so right yeah no that is interesting that is fun so no i i, I like how it ends i like how mccoy ends up pursuing a political career and he uses a lot of his dirty uh dirty deeds so to speak just you know he's playing with fire every time that's why we love him and he's kind of becomes the al pacino of the show I don't mean that in a negative or positive way. He's just kind of he when he chews scenery, when you let him, oh, he goes for it. And by that time, he's kind of just embracing it and just kind of being the Obi-Wan of the show. He pretty much is just flat out just saying, all right, so you made it this far. But are you happy? Are you accomplished? You know, and so that gives it a deeper is like, okay, every guy can relate to that. Everybody wants a career, let alone a life where they can sit back and say, I have something to put on my tombstone. So it's like, that's cool. Uh, Curtis comes back for one episode and they acknowledge the passing of uh, Briscoe, uh, the character, since, you know, the actor, uh, Jerry Orbeck, already passed away. And that's actually a very sweet and tender episode because Curtis just flat out just goes all out without being a weepy, you know, pussy. He does flat out just say, you know, I regret everything I de- I've done. And, you know, my wife's already passed away. But so all I got left is, you know, raising the kids in the job. Um, but uh, I really definitely, Van Buren is the one who, uh, pro- profits the most from this season because again, you know, uh, she, you have the ticking time bomb. Does she or does she not, you know, survive the cancer? And will she get married to her fiance Ernie Hudson? So it's right. It's a pretty cool season there. And again, just the cases are more hard hitting, and they are definitely the most up to date, especially with again just the internet crimes, the cyberbullying, and the abortion, and just <laughs> it, it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the nine eleven era where. They prosecute a lot of terrorists and they have to do the whole, you know, uh, racial profiling of Middle Easterns. But they do it in a way where it's like they have them testify and find out, no, it's just someone else who's using us, you know, as kind of a, a base of protection, so to speak. You know, and right. and, and there's some tragic consequences for them because and this is what pisses me off, too. Again, people love to do the whole this is a biased show. It's like, no, there's always an iffy ending. 
for instance, there's a Middle Eastern guy who is prosecuted because he's been framed as a terrorist. He wins the court case, but then he comes back and his whole, you know, market store has been burned to the ground. So he has to start all over anyway. So it's definitely just, again, you just get the 50 50. And it just went, just when you think you got the ending figured out, it's like, no, I don't have a happy ending. <laughs> I got, right. I got, I, I, I didn't get sued in court, but, but they always do just a, a 180 where it's like, oh, but now I lost all my kids. Oh, but now I'll never be, I'll lose my job and never be able to do everything I, you know, base my whole sanity and life on ever again. Um, so, uh, I, I guess that kind of wraps it up for the overall franchise. Uh, then we, we, we have to do pretty much separate episodes and all the other stuff, but, uh, out of all the spinoffs, what would you say uh, do you recommend the most? Uh, criminal. I see some people do the criminal intent camp is underrated camp, or the SVU is you know for life camp. So, uh, I, I again, I I watched. Uh, I, I kind of gave up on Special Victim Unit, you know, a long time ago. I'm kind of frankly amazed it's still on television. Um, when SVU is good, it's very good. But I think uh, Criminal Intent was actually one that I I think that one is desperately underrated, um, despite the fact that it doesn't feel very much like a uh, Law and Order show. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's much more of a you know it is much more of a, a kind of straightforward like kind of like criminal profilery kind of show, and um, this That's is even even by. Uh, you know, I have very, you know, like strong criticisms of like criminal profiling and that sort of idea as a um, as a realistic thing. Um, it's really like let's follow uh, Vincent D'Onofrio around while he, uh, you know, uh, does the Sherlock Holmes thing, and and it does, you know, it does that very well. If you just sort of like take it out of its context as like it's even trying to be a real show, and this is just a show in which you know Vincent D'Onofrio gets to play a Sherlock Holmes character, and I and I actually really enjoyed that um, when that. That was on um and in particular uh you know what's what's the name of the uh kind of main um a second uh like the second in command there sorry i'm gonna uh logan uh, logan comes back from the yeah logan show, comes and back he, and he definitely gives to, it some extra is like i mean and then uh leslie hendrix also returns as you know the csi you know dr rogers um and right, she's right. good but uh so like you say, no, Eames, it's Eames, Alexandra Eames, who is a, a Catherine Herb, uh, is his partner there. I really love that. She's awesome. She, in recent seasons of SVU, even comes back and she has now joined the FBI and helps Benson. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so SVU is kind of still on because, again, they're just always got hard hitting case and they, again, do crossovers with the Chicago franchise. They're, they may or may not do a crossover with the FBI franchise. Wouldn't be surprised if I saw Benson briefing someone over a telephone call. But uh, so far they've only crossed over one of the detectives, uh, Haley Upton from Chicago PD to come over on the FBI shows. But uh, going back to this, I mean, criminal intent, like you say, you've mentioned this endlessly on your uh, Sherlock Holmes episodes is like, yeah, it, it pretty much is, does go for a typical kind of modern day uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes and who is going to be the, you know, Moriarty or <laughs> uh, right. other just foil. By season six, they unfortunately feel that they have to – they're even on the record of saying this. They have to measure up with the CSI franchise, and so they start doing the graphic you know, flashbacks with fancy editing. But it's very minor. We already covered this on the CSI franchise tech down. I think it even does it better. Basically, uh, Canadian shows like Motive and uh, the Criminal Minds franchise absolutely owe their existence to criminal intent. And right. there are several times where if you just don't like an episode, just go on to the next one. You know, There's always yeah. going to be – because it, it's much like the last two shows. It's impossible to be 100% and entertain every single time. But, I mean, th there are definitely cases. Criminal Intent definitely hits more home. I mean, don't get me wrong. SVU, by default, just by being on the air longer, is morbid. But Criminal Intent does go into cases where it's like, ooh, oh, now i got to take a hot shower. <laughs> there's one where uh, Neil Patrick Harris plays a uh, serial killer who's, like, uh, kidnapping women and then, like, uh, uh, drilling holes in their head and then like filling their brains with like water as a way of like uh, lobotomizing them so that they will be his girlfriend. Oh, and yeah, no, it's a uh, really dark, twisted stuff. And I think the thing that Criminal Intent does uh, well is it sort of like tells the story of like it does kind of tell that more human story of these um, defendants in a way that the other shows don't necessarily do. And even when it is this kind of like really weird, you know, like abstract, abnormal psychology stuff, um, it 
it works in, in, in its context. And I, and I uh, really appreciate that. Um, and, yeah, no. Um, I actually, if I'm gonna go back and start rewatching some of this, I probably would go back to uh, Criminal Intent first, just because uh, it's the one that gets the maybe the least love um, from uh, from the fans. But uh, uh, no, but, that's a good point. There's definitely gonna, more Seven and Speed and even uh, Serpico type cases on Criminal Intent than there are on the other shows. And right. uh, it's one kind of, of the things that one of the things that surprises me is just how little kind of online love there is for this franchise right now. Like I was, I was recently kind of looking for, I was trying to find a reference to a particular episode that I was like, couldn't remember. And like, uh, you know, the, the, even the wiki pages are like really kind of like stubs for the most part. Um, they, they really like the, like the online fandom just isn't there for, you know, like the early kind of law and order seasons enough to where you can sort of like Google for episodes or like there are plot summaries that you can kind of go, this is the one I was looking for. I just couldn't remember all the details sort of thing no um, that's very true when i was reviewing this whole fucking thing i i had to go to the wikipedia page because like you say it's like the facebook groups weren't littered with much the even the tv.com pages was bare it was naked nothing and uh, uh or then it goes back to the problems all these other people like to do with the first two shows where it's who do you love more it's like why does it have to be a popularity contest i like both jeff goldblum as zach and denofrio's you know, Gorin, because they're both very unusual. And that was brilliant casting as, you know, Goblin to have his own quirks. And it's like, that's because, I mean, they even make note of it. It's like, God, he's fucking quirky. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, yeah. and that's why he's good. Uh, this especially, there's a lot of people who don't really get to grow on here. Uh, they have Annabelle Scora as a, a detective partner of Logan. And I'm not going to lie. I did not like her character, but it, it, uh, and she's a good actress. And both score. I mean, come on, this is from the Supreme. She's a phenomenal movie. actress. She's yeah. phenomenal. And then this role, I didn't know if she was, you know, forced by contract or just not digging it or didn't feel like there was much. So she didn't give it her all or just who knows, maybe the script did suck for her character and she didn't have much to do, but her character just is always just kind of just talking in third person. And Logan is kind of just, She's kind of just feeding Logan info and Logan just uses that and, you know, solves the case. So I was like, God damn it. You know, this, this should work. It doesn't really work for me. And, but it's, it's a, it's a blur. So the the rest of the time you see other people on there and they don't really have time to grow. They're just replacements. So. So much of what makes these uh, franchises work is just sort of the, the chemistry between the, the leads you know, you're you're there for the mystery, you're there for sort of the legal theory, you're there for the um for that stuff. But like ultimately it does have to kind of come down to, you know, like what are the characters and, and kind of how do they relate to one another? Who who are the people that we're kind of following around? And I feel like one of the things that Criminal Intent ran into is that uh, you know, if you're not staring at Vincent D'Onofrio kind of doing his weirdo Vincent D'Onofrio Gorin <laughs> performance, yeah. if he's not leaning down and doing that Gorin lean, you know, um, what are you really looking at? I mean, I think Catherine Herb does a really great job um, bouncing off of him and kind of having her own personality and having her own, um, you know, kind of carving out her own space there. And, and I think that's a real uh, credit to that actress who manages to kind of be that, to convincingly play second fiddle without Fun kind fact. of... They even played this role again around 2016, 2017 on John Oliver for a funny skit. Oh, I think I saw that. Yeah, I, oh, I, saw, the, um, I heard about it. I was never able to find the video clip. I was like, "Fuck, that'd be great to watch." And oh, I, I think I, I think I, I think I know where to find that. I think I know where to find that. Oh, I'd, um, I'd love to see it. Yeah, sure I can I can get that to you. Um, but yeah, no, I I think and and again, I kind of tuned out of the whole series at a certain point where you know it just kind of went in that kind of Rene Balsé. It wasn't kind. And, um, and I only knew about it on USA Network because, again, it was at a crappy time on the regular network. And fortunately, uh, you know, USA Network did pick it up for the final two seasons. But, I mean, you want to talk about ignoring? It took Shot Factory releasing the rest of the series. It's like even the DVD sales were low. I'm like, really? I think DVD would be better because you could binge this shit. And so where it really grows... I would argue, don't get me wrong, season one and four have a lot of really outrageous cases, like cases that you could even find similar to even the movie Phone Booth and Silence of the Lambs. Right. And just the, the, they just really like going for just the sniper or just the... And then it gets even more complex uh, through seasons, you know, five through ten, because, you know, the, then they always change it up. Sometimes Logan's with 
uh, Herb's Imes character, and then other times uh, they have uh, Wheeler played by the excellent Julianne Nicholson. Uh, you know, this is really a total you know career maker for her before she was in other movies like Black Mass and August o- Osage County. Uh, she absolutely digs into this role and makes an awesome partner for Goldblum's Nichols character. But sometimes she's saddled with, you know, again, uh, Logan. So that's pretty cool there, how that plays off. And it really takes off and uh, allows the detectives to even just focus on multiple stuff. But like you say, uh, after a while, it's like, uh, you know, uh, thank God for DVR, because this would be hard to keep up with. Um, And uh, it's all the better for the final few seasons because they give a good uh, exit for uh, Goldblum. Because uh, then they have a personal case. Uh, they have, you know, comedian uh, Eric Bogosian as, you know, the captain by this point, and he gets murdered. So then it becomes a manhunt. And Gorin, he flat out goes into Stabler uh, Briscoe role where he's willing to, you know, kind of go vigilante, but off the record, and gets into <laughs> right. a gets into a very tangled FBI. Uh, you know, wants to take the credit for it. And you know, he knows info they don't. So he's like, hey, don't press charges on me. I'll tell you everything, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, season 10 is definitely the most personal and it definitely finishes the most strong. The cases are, again, you know, like it or hate it, but it's all the better because at this point it becomes the Sopranos. And by that, I mean, Gorin is frequently going to psychiatric sessions played by Dr. Geisen, who is, uh, you know, played by Julia Orman. And he he's flat out having to just give his, you know, blood and guts, you know, because previously he's already had a mentor who taught him all the, you know, how to read minds, how to read body language. And it turned out that that guy was a serial killer. And he was played by the excellent John Glover of Smallville fame. And uh, at this point, he is flat, flat out, you know, trying to retire from being a detective and, you know, establish, you know, that Imes has always been his only true friend. And so it's just it's a very sweet ending. It, it needed that ending because otherwise it would have just been what was the fucking point if it was going to be right. too uh, Like you say before, it is hit and miss, just like all the shows. But it is so damn underrated in terms of what it occurs. I definitely recommend everybody check out the Stephen Colbert episode. It was just so funny because I was watching that, and then a few buddies of mine, you know, who again watch every Daily Show and. <laughs> other kind of show we're watching is like oh i just saw that too i'm like oh man i don't know what it what it is with because i mean you would say isn't, isn't that the one where he had like his mother was uh like uh controlling his life or something and yeah, uh, going around and putting rice in bombs or some horse shit I'm like, right oh, yeah like i'm not like i i have like a visceral memory of his performance and i was a big like colbert show fan at that time was, um, yeah yeah Absolutely. this is before he was on this before he was on uh network tv you know this is when yeah he was you know yeah no i yeah no they're they had some great like saying brent spiner did an episode i mean that was know. a great episode so it definitely stills the show uh, this and the original i definitely like in terms of guest stars don't get me wrong svu does have good guest stars but they often they kind of still ci's intent is like you know what let's get a comedian and have them play a fucked up person. It's like, well, now you're kind of killing the surprise of it all. Because, I mean, criminal intent goes even further. They have Fran Drescher being someone who's uh, trying to get this other guy to confess. They have uh, F. Murray Abraham as Zach Nichols, uh, you know, Goldblum's dad, who's also kind of a similar crazy mind game reader. And that gets very intense. And uh, there's definitely other shows like Lie to Me and, like you say, just all the, you know, psych that other experience to this but i definitely like how usa network used to show just endless marathons they, they do on occasion of you know before they were famous as well as just you know comedians turned bad i think was one <laughs> that they right. called it <laughs> uh, so yeah uh I, out of all the other spinoffs trial by jury i'm going through it's not bad but it just feels like kind of leftovers and that is interesting because it has uh what's her name from fraser uh uh, B.B. Newarth, you know, oh, and right, shows, right, yep. and I like how it shows just more behind the scenes of the law firm and then just the cases. And they did a lot of crossovers. But unfortunately, you know, it was cut short because it just could never find a good time slot. And that was when uh, Jerry Orbrick was actually dying and it showed on his face. So <laughs> uh, they really had to change wingmen uh, really pretty early. So. I think it could have really evolved and been a pretty cool one. And again, people complain, oh, I didn't really like that character. I'm like, well, 
again, you're not really supposed to like or hate. You're just supposed to just watch all the shit hit the fan and unfold. So I definitely will say conviction. This June, there's one new reason to love watching Law & Order Criminal Intent on USA. So what are you talking about? Is it Logan's charming demeanor? I'll have to check that out someday. Or Goran's way with words? Because mm -hmm. I'm the whack job. Or maybe it's because the only new episodes of Law & Order anywhere on television this summer are the new episodes of Criminal Intent on USA. Law & Order Criminal Intent. New episodes return Sunday, June 8th at 9 on USA. Characters welcome. Alrighty there, guys, ladies and gents, you just heard that brief sample on with Daniel Lee Harper and do just again in honor of its 21st anniversary because no one else seems to want to honor it, which is a shame. It's a damn good show. It's very underrated in some circles. And I guarantee you guys, without this, you would not have Criminal Minds, you would not have the following, you would not even have Lie to Me, and you probably wouldn't even have Sight to some aspect. <laughs> it's paradox parodied on that show quite a lot probably wouldn't even have monk i know that came out a year later but i'm just saying this this is one hell of a show it even beat abc's alias and hbo sopranos in some households when it premiered in 2001 it was created by both dick wolf as well as renee balser who again was french canadian guy who has also worked on a bunch of different shows and we'll get back to him in just a bit because he's pretty key and the success of this whole show. I think what just really gels, he essentially just helps sum up just a very cool, just above average procedural. And there's going to be plenty of episodes where you're like, you're not sure where it's going. It doesn't, it never starts the same way. You know, as much as we, most of us dig the law and order franchise, you know, pretty much, you know, someone gets shot at the beginning of over, you know, the original and, you know, SVU, has often been parodied for featuring sex crimes and the other ones often deal with, you know, different kinds of gangster, you know, takedowns. And this one just, it gelled. It gelled because, you know, you were seeing a different kind of psychological kind of thing. Like the law is kept out of it. Like as it, it ends as soon as you get a confession and the jail time and courtroom stuff is left to the imagination. So it was a different approach and it worked because much like all the various, you know, Star Treks and other crime shows, you got to make it stand well on its own. And it's pretty wild how it just had different showrunners. You know, Renee Balser was there for quite a while. He later helped create some of the FBI shows and I guess write some other psychological based shows. Warren Lee took over for season six to seven before being SVU showrunner and writing some other Claim stuff like in treatment for HBO as well as Mother's Day, the horror filler. And then, uh, believe it or not, uh, Nofrio and Herb, yeah, the actors themselves took over. But Waylon Green also wrote for season eight. He's a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> so that's interesting. Then, who took it over was Michael S. Chernushin, if I'm saying it right. He had worked on Brooklyn South the other Dick Wolf productions, as well as even Homicide, Life on the Street. So that was good to add that kind of gritty formula to that. And then Chris Brincato, who had written for X-Files and uh, the Canadian show uh, First Wave, which was a cool deal, wrote for this. That makes sense to me why he also co-wrote the Sherlock Holmes films and even Godfather of Harlem, also with D'Onofrio in a supporting crime role. So He's good at that as well. But yeah, I think, so let's get into the detectives. The detectives are, once again, the quirky Gorin portrayed by Vincent D'Onofrio, who you guys might know from Full Metal Jacket. And again, you know, Men in Black, just go-to, just badass actor. And you got Catherine Erb as Detective Imes, who's basically keeping him in check and just, uh, they would always kind of tease if they might become a couple or not, but pretty much it's just, hardcore friends and you know, so loyal to one another. Then we got Mike Logan, you know, played by Chris Noth from the original. This was years before his recent scandal in 2021 in December, but yeah. And then we get Megan Wheeler as Juliana Nicholson years before mayor of East town and August Osage County. She was just incredible here. 
and it's just so cool to see even some of these characters even get referenced on SVU nowadays. Like Wheeler character got referenced in an SVU episode and even I'm's you know, returned for a two part episode of SVU. Um, and then let's go into uh, Nola Falashi, if I'm saying it right, uh, who's played by Alicia Witt. She was pretty much just there, just back and forth, just replacing it. a few of the other characters. Um, and then we got Nichols, who's played to perfection by Jeff Goldblum. Some people like to shit on him, but he did great. And Detective Stevens is kind of keeping him in line there again. So again, that's kind of the ongoing formula. And the captains, the captains are really good, especially Jamie Sheridan's and Eric Bogosian, and even from Robin Hood, <laughs> Prince of Thieves themselves, Mary Elizabeth Mastranio. And then in the later seasons, you have J.O. Saunders, who you guys might know from various other things, like um, just <laughs> various stage plays and various movies like JFK, Day After Tomorrow, and Revolutionary Road. He, he's been around for quite a while and shows like The Good Wife, True Detective, and Blind Spot, and Manhunt, Deadly Games. But yeah, I it was just so wild seeing him on there because it took him a while. Oh, didn't he guess our twice as like different suspects? Oh, well, now he's the detective. So what is really cool is Courtney B. Vance really got to play a lawyer on here quite a few times, you know, Ron Carver. And what was cool is he was essentially just, you know, giving them advice, you know, what to say before the other lawyer arrives and they get a confession. But yeah, he's the second longest serving assistant district attorney behind Casey, <laughs> like by Diane Neal and SVU. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, after a while, after he leaves, they tried a few different times, like two episodes each with, uh, a lawyer and then they just gave that up they just said nope no more lawyer coming in just because there's just no need for it and again i love the connection to the original law and order by having uh the assistant chief medical examiner you know liz rogers played by leslie hendrix that was cool to just incorporate it all and i gotta give it credit when in the first two episodes they had you know benson and green and even Diane Weiss's district attorney just show up and how can I forget about Briscoe? He was hysterical. He's like, Hey, what are you, what are you kids doing here? <laughs> and again, you know, just the changes were for the better. This was just an unkillable show. And, you know, even when it decided that they need to be similar to compete with CSI, they did good by having the flashbacks even resonate way better than a CSI show that it, it just, by being different enough, that made us stand out way better. Casting crew just are dynamite every appearance. And even when it gets repetitive, just stick with it. You, you'll be glad you did. And I just love how this generation is going to be able to still just introduce themselves to it by, if they subscribe to the NBC app, Peacock, you do need a premium account, unfortunately, if you want to watch that and most of SVU, but it's worth it if you don't have cable anymore. I did have cable and I've seen it all, so I'm just going to stick with rewatching. But it is also kind of a shame how it's kind of just been the, just the sleeper hit of the whole, you know, saga. Like, even to where Shout Factory had to acquire the rights to the DVDs, like, uh, after season five, like, just they weren't releasing the later seasons, which sucks. And it's like, no, don't, don't not release them. It is all kind of cool how they, much like the other shows switched to digital midway through and you, know, you didn't see any difference really and it's just constantly gritty and i mean much like the first two law and orders they've been adapted into both france and russia and that brings us to our connection here why the hell in my promo do i have a promo for the jean reno show joe well first off uh basically this also created by Renee Balser and once again uh, it just was excellent at showing kind of like prime suspect just having a you know alcoholic you know fighting detective played by Jean Reno to you know when is he not excellent and he plays you know the title character Joe St. Clair 
Basically, it got fucked up by uh, its numerous uh, multi-international distribution deal. Like it was supposed to be released in the US on Ion TV and the UK version of the show made it look more formulaic than it was by re-editing scenes and causing confusion. So a lot of these fuckers were not on the same page. Just talk about a failed partnership. But it had a bunch of other just very cool, just people involved with it including directors who had worked on stuff like the killing and the americans so and of course typical law and order names who you know guest start on it i mean even sam waterston jack mccoy himself was even on there briefly as a professor accused as some wrongdoing so it was pretty cool to just see those guys and just even though the squad doesn't really gel they, they still are just very again cool at their guessing games and i know even some of those uh what's it called um some of those casts who were later on even the british version of law and order or the fbi shows even had guest spots on here but it was also cool seeing jill hennessy that's right claire from law and order play a nun who gets breaking her you know doing very on nun like behavior playing sister karn and that was cool to see her in that unusual role kind of knock some sense into everybody and even Geraldine Chaplin from uh, who's the daughter of Charlie Chaplin shows up briefly there. Um, Julie Cox, Miranda Ryson from of all things, uh, Spooks is on there. She's awesome. Um, but here's the connection to criminal intent. Olivia Diabo. Yes. That, you might know her from, the wonder years and the single guy but yeah on and dorky movies like conan the destroyer but yeah she just did about face when she played the serial killer and petty thief nicole wallace on law and order criminal intent she's a recurring villain on that and she was excellent but she reprises the role in joe and it's just excellent because you're just like whoa wait hey, hey. she may be the same person or she might you know, it might be another thief who's taken her identity. You don't really truly know, but so unfortunately, this show Joe is no longer on Hulu. So you'll have to search the internet, maybe probably buy a region two, region free uh, DVD of it, and see if it'll play on your PlayStation Five or whatever. But yeah, no, it's pretty solid show, and it's only about eight episodes, so. Totally check it out if you just want a fun Paris set crime show that's very prompt, very well acted. And I even saw that one of these guys, cinematographers, worked on the similar show Spiral, also known as, as Ingrigadade. So if you like any of these other similar crime shows we've talked about, please just check it out. You can't lose. And especially if you're a Jean Reno fan, you'll just be like, wow, I've never seen him in a role like this before. And you know, don't let all the scandal related to the filmmakers goofing up, you know, interfere with you. So, yeah, again, Colonel Intent as a whole still lives on. It's still replayed on places like Ion and WeTV. And again, it's on Peacock. And it was really cool to see on a recent season of SVU just uh, Annabelle Scora of The Sopranos and Hand That Walks the Cradle fame replies her character uh, as Carolyn Barrick. So her character was cool because she was working with Logan and they imply that they don't get along with each other without actually saying it. And so then I think the actress just wanted to work on a few other things. I was mixed on that character. I didn't know if she was digging her role or not, but you know, she's still pretty cool badass and it's cool to know that her character is now a Lieutenant and in that SVU episode and I actually look forward to see if they actually let her reprise the role. That would be cool. A few other people just cross over occasionally you know, from the other show, Fred Dalton Thompson being the most obvious one. But 
even Carolyn McCormick of all people uh, just uh, got to play her psychiatrist role. But since it was also on USA Network at one point for just like a split second, technically two minutes, uh, Mary Shannon played by Mary McCormick, uh, uh, you know, the character from In Plain Sight showed up to talk to Logan. And I thought, oh, wow, it took me a minute. Like, we're just showing, oh, there she is. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. That That's now somewhere in that universe that keeps growing. So thank you all for listening and have a wonderful rest of the evening. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey, everybody. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Greetings, friends. My name is Dean Legero, and I'm the host of the 3324 Podcast. I invite you to join me and my lifelong friend Eric Kuber to come with us as we discuss the music and movies that shaped our life. Each week, we'll pick an album or film that we really connect to and not only give you some great info and trivia, but also discuss, debate, and celebrate what it means to us and the journey it took us on. We also look forward to hearing from you and giving us some of your picks for us to check out and discuss. I think it'll be a really fun experience, so come along with us for the ride. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider, and at 3324.buzzsprout.com. Thanks for your time, and welcome to the 3324 family. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple of brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones, too.
So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies With a one last plot holes a gratuitous It's time to get busy with your friend Steven at eilfm.podbean.com Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.